and welcome to the Back to the Pavilion podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I really appreciate it. And there's more and more of you every week who tune in to the podcast. It's great to see the listening figures go up. The podcast is available on Spotify, Google Podcasts and pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts these days. All the previous episodes are still available there for you to download. Please take the time to go back and enjoy them if you've missed any. Today we meet a player who sadly had his career cut short in 2014 due to a knee injury. Since then, he's been able to forge a successful career away from the game. But before that, he represented Gloucestershire on 55 occasions, and with his right arm fast medium bowling, taking 128 wickets along the way. More importantly for me, he became somewhat of a cult icon in my cricketing mad household. I even have one of his shirts which my wife thankfully bought me for our cotton wedding anniversary. I don't know why he became such an icon in our house, but having talked to him, that reputation has not diminished in any way. So it is with great pleasure that I welcome Ian Saxelby back to the pavilion. If we look at sort of my injury history, I was a professional for um, seven years, of which I think three, at least three, I spent a full year on the sidelines, like didn't, didn't play a game. And that was through through two separate but sort of two separate injuries, but that kept reoccurring. So um, I, I had um, a quite a serious sort of shoulder dislocation when I was young, uh, sixteen when I was playing rugby, and that kept reoccurring. Mm. Um, would would dislocate, um, you know, in the you know sliding around the boundary, dislocate. Um, I celebrated a wicket, shoulder dislocated. And, um, so I was having, I, I've had four shoulder operations, quite major shoulder operations, um, which was right, which was right shoulder, sort of bowling shoulder. But um, I'd, I'd also, um, but I'd also had um, sort of, I've had a couple of knee operations as well. Um, and actually it was the knee, my shoulder, uh, my knee that had sort of, um, it, it got to a position where um, I've, I had bone on bone from um, from a from a wear and tear point of view um, and a quite a big tear in 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 my cartilage in my in my right knee which is obviously as a right arm bowler that's the, the the back knee that I'm sort of landing with not your front leg that's sort of taking a lot of the strain but it's the it's the back knee that you're sort of lead sort of landing with as I say I, I woke up from a relatively routine knee operation it was meant to be sort of cleaning um my knee out making sure everything was okay and, and, the, and the surgeon was sort of said to me look things are serious in there if you continue to put the strain through that knee as you're doing there's every chance you'll need a new knee by the time you're 35 uh, and that's a new one then every 10 15 years and mm. if you want any sort of quality of life being able to sort of run around after kids um you know walk uh, properly for them. <laughs> For the next 40 or 50 years then he said then he would recommend not sort of continuing with the career and I think at that time because I'd had suffered some relatively um, nasty shoulder injuries with those four operations mm. plus where I got to with my knee um, knee being the one that um, was the curtailing injury I think it was it my body was clearly telling me that I couldn't continue to bowl the amount of overs that I needed to bowl as a professional um, and as I say the, the final 
knee injury that did me was um, was whilst bowling at the Oval, um, ran in and just felt it sort of give way, and ultimately it was a big catastrophic tear to the to the cartilage that um, wasn't going to allow me to sort of continue playing the sport. So whilst whilst uh, it was a decision that I had to make, it was clearly a decision uh, that I was going to have to make. So from an injury point of view, it wasn't one that I sort of had to weigh up, mm. if, that, if that makes sense. Um, it was one that was sort of forced upon me. Um, was it easy to come to terms with the fact it was forced to come forced upon you or did that make it more difficult? Did you sort of feel like you, you almost, you got more to give and you'd left something out on the field? Um, I, I think probably it was a, an easier decision to make that it, that it was forced upon me. Um, the facts were that my knee wasn't able to continue bowl, uh, continue the strain of, of medium quick bowling. And, um, you know, when you're left with the, with that fact, I think, you know, the, the decision has to be made. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I was in a position where I was 24 going into my 25th birthday and, and I didn't want that potential of having to have a new knee in the next 10 years. Mm. Um, so it, yeah, I think it was probably made easier by the severity rather than being a little niggle that just said, right, I'm done. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So cricket, cricket was no more. What, what, what did you move into? So, um, I took a, took sort of six months out after I'd finished. So that was in the May of 2014, um, I was due to get married that year and, and did to my wife, Gemma, which was in the September. So first few months, I didn't really do anything. A um, bit of a time out. Mm. I still remained part of the setup. It Gloucester, it, it, it I helped in the marketing department a little bit and still would go in to receive treatments to make sure that when I'd left in the September that my knee was solid enough mm. um, to, um, to carry on with normal life. Um, and, and ultimately, I didn't really know where what I wanted to do. Um, I come from farming background. My dad's, uh, well, was a dairy farmer, albeit they're no longer farming for milk. They're more sort of meat and and um, and arable. And um, you know, so the farm was an option. However, I'd met my wife who uh, lived in Cardiff, and we both lived in Bristol at the time, and we and sort of felt that that. Um, the life had been formed for me um, down in the southwest rather than back up north, which is sort of dark. Well, your neck of the woods, it's North Nottinghamshire, Newark. Okay, um, yep. That's where I'm from originally. And, um, uh, and, you know, rather than going both taking me and Gemma back up to the farm, um, as I said, she's an audiologist, so she had her work in Cardiff Heath Hospital. Um, I went to have a look what was available in the city um, of sort of financial planning, investment management, did a few interviews here and there, um, but was offered an opportunity at the role that I'm in now, which is a company called Lockton. We're, we're, we're professional lines, professional and financial lines, insurance brokers. That's sort of the line that I work in. Uh, Lockton are a big multinational global entity that do everything that you can think about mm -hmm. in insurance. Um, and yeah, I've seen, and I've I've stayed there since. I've 
sort of five and a half years in. Um, so and things are and things are sort of settled. Um, you know, young families come along. Four four year old, one and a half year old. Um, we moved into a little village just outside of Chepstow in Wales, and and um, you know by by the time I was thirty, I was back back into a relatively settled lifestyle got over the fact that cricket was not going to be part of sort of my lifestyle anymore um you know life after cricket has been as happy as it was mm. when i was playing cricket albeit you don't have those sort of perks of being sent around the world to to do a sport you know to you know to get paid for your hobby almost mm. um uh, and it, and it, and it's whilst it's a, a completely different lifestyle to playing cricket, it's not a bad one. And um, you know, and I haven't really looked back since. Was it always going to be sort of into that financial sector that you you were going to move into, or did you you say you, you can you consider the farming, but it didn't suit? Was it was there ever any other options? You said you went back and did the marketing bit with Gloucester. Was that a, a consideration as well? I think I always had an ambition to perhaps go into the city. Um, when I say city, I'm sort of talking city trades rather yeah. than middle of Bristol. Um, but I've got a degree. I've got a degree from the Open University in mathematics. Mm -hmm. So um, that sort of those that sort of numbers, logical problem solving, is fit for sort of the financial sort of world, and and that seemed to work. And I think. I think one of the things that I made a real conscious effort of doing, and we talk about the marketing and being in, you know, perhaps still connected to cricket. I think because I've, I've been in the cricketing world for six, seven, eight years and been part of Knott's Academy. So if you look at that, that could be nine, 10 years, mm. um, dedicated to the 10 years of my life to playing cricket. I felt that I'd probably be in a worse place mentally if I tried to continue in the game. And um, so I wanted to distance myself from it, or, or at, but at the same time, still remaining in contact with the friends that I'd mm. made in cricket, still going to watch games, still being part of Gloucester County Cricket Club because I don't live too far away. Um, but yeah, it was always, a, I think, a, a conscious decision was to made, made to come away from the sport. And what are the, you, you made that conscious decision to come away what have you found as the main differences between working in that cricket environment to working in the, the city environment? Yeah, I think, I think there's um, a remarkable amount of similarities that you can take from, um, from the game into the financial world. You know, I, I work in sales, so, it, you know, that sort of winning, that sort of drive to win is sort of inherent. But I think the main difference for me is that in, the, in sport, particularly cricket, you spend pretty much every waking hour um, with your teammates uh, in a changing room and you do everything together. It's, you go into coffee shops, you go in out for lunch, you're probably having a drink together after... Mm after the game you know you probably all live together because that is the best way of sort of handling your finances and this that, and the other um but like in 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 the workplace you are you know you're into work at nine o'clock and you leave at five o'clock and that's the sort of relationship with your colleagues so that sort of changing room environment is a big part of um 
is a big part of sort of uh, of cricket and and one and one thing that is sort of um, really special about the game um, is that you know you do get a really strong bond between the people that are there um, mm. which probably doesn't necessarily carry through to the general sort of workplace um, you'll still have colleague relationships but um, you know you're probably not having a barbecue together at a weekend or mm. Do you know what I mean? Some will, some won't. Um, but that's pro- that was probably the biggest difference for me. And the, probably the biggest thing that I had to come to terms with was that you're never really going to get that changing room environment back. You know, you talk about like, the, the similarities in sales and, and that strive to win. Does making a, a, a big sale or having a big achievement at work, how does that compare to the feeling of taking a wicket, scoring a 50 or a century or a fifer? Yeah, it, it it doesn't compare for me. Um, that you know that the the uh, sort of um, the the drive for me to play sport was to play at the highest level, so that you had the ability to perform in front of people that were watching you. Um, and um, you know, there's no better feeling than taking a wicket as a bowler, taking a five for you know scoring a hundred, whatever, whatever, whatever that whatever that is and um, winning like you always felt whenever you won a game you may go and have a few beers in town afterwards with you with the with with the team and it's almost like you've got this feeling of invincibility i know that that sounds really silly but you're never going to get that if you make a sale uh <laughs> in the workplace but um you know i think i think that as i say that that sort of strive to win is a real big carryover for me um into the world that I work in now. Um, but the adrenaline rush that you get from, you know, as I say, taking a wicket or winning a game is not matched in the, in the, in the, in the industry that I work in now. How much um, do you think that your on-field career has helped you off the field? Um, I think it's, I think it, as I said, Previously, I think there is so many carryovers from the world of sport into the world of business um, that if you apply yourself for, you know, as I say, in the Knotts Academy, I applied myself to the sport for 10 years. Um, so if you, if you take over that sort of um, mentality into business and then you apply yourself for a number of years um, in the right way with the right disciplines, I think you've got every chance of success. Um, and I think that is something that's quite unique to sportsmen is that they always have that drive for mm. success. Um, and no matter, you know, my, my hobby now is um, I'm a, I, because of my, the way that my knee deteriorated and etc. I bought the Lycra and the road bike and I get out road cycling. But, you know, I went out for a, for a, um, for an hour or so this morning and I was racing myself round to mm. see like making sure that my average speed was high that this was that and this was so you never lose that you know you you you, you never lose that and um and, and uh, you know I think as I say that sort of desire to win and get better um is relatively unique to sports but I think that does have um huge impacts and the way that you handle yourself perhaps when then you finish the, your career mm. and move into other into other disciplines you say like when you finish your cricket career how much 
how much help and support did you get when you came to the end of your career from well anywhere yeah um i think i'd always tried to prepare for it coming hmm. um so from from for me some sort of post finishing support probably didn't really require it mm -hmm. but but the support leading up to me finishing was you know from the club and from the pca was was fantastic you know uh, we'd always had personal welfare officers that came and talked to us about education and doing different things and making yourself um attractive to a new employer um perhaps when you're going to finish cricket so the support leading up to me finishing was was remarkable and as i said that i had two or three years out of the game through injury at Gloucestershire and through those times I was working in the marketing department at the club and etc and the support from the club in that was, uh, was 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 fantastic as well allowed me to sort of remain mentally switched on as well as doing my rehab and prehab to make sure I was going to get back fit for the for the next year because I think that is a danger of being injured is that you'll then become isolated from the rest of the team mm -hmm. Um, you're like that on the pitch and you're not sort of playing so yeah I think post retirement that support's not necessarily been required I think it is there if you require it and the PCA are a fantastic organisation for that um, but because I was able to get myself settled relatively quickly you know six seven months following my retirement from cricket you know I've never really had to turn to it um, but I've always known it's there if I do need mm. it. And you say you still go down to Gloucester quite a bit. Is that and still welcomed, opened arms? And Yeah, when I say quite a bit, I've last couple of years I haven't been so much, but that's because I've got a couple of kids now. But mm. um, yeah, I think there's, been, there's quite a sort of a community and family atmosphere at, at Gloucester. I think, it, I think probably like it most counties, that would be the same. I think cricket, again, is a fantastic sport for that but you know I've got live membership at Gloucestershire from being a player mm. so you know you can turn up at the gate show you show your membership badge and you know and, the, and, and members you know recognize you and still want to talk to you as you walk up and past the pavilion you know people still want signatures off you which always feels a bit weird <laughs> five years ago but yeah people want to talk to you people want to see how you're getting on players embrace you and want to come and talk to you, um, sort of catch up, uh, coaching staff, office staff, you know, it's sort of a sort of a, a, a welcomed with wide arms almost at Gloucester. I think that's a fantastic, um, a fantastic thing. And as I said, that that will be the case at most, if not at all counties. And I think is a beautiful thing about cricket. And you had family members who played cricket as well. Did that? Did their experiences help you at the end of your career or during your career with, with advice and guidance? Or So, obviously, there's, there's my two, two of my uncles played mm. first-class cricket. Kevin, um, who was a sort of a bowler, and Mark, who was sort of more of an all-rounder, batter, bowler. But I think the time that they were playing cricket, I was probably a bit young. Mm. But they were on the farm, so when, when I was growing up... Um, so my uncle Kevin um, is in partnership on the farm with my dad. Mm -hmm. uh, my dad played second-class cricket for Notts. Um, so he, 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 he had that sort of 
experience of playing cricket to a high level. Um, the cricket was always going to be in, in the family. Um, you know, we had a net, a cricket net up on the front lawn at home. Um, so that, that sort of cricket mentality and guidance came from the entirety of the family. And there's quite a nice little um, picture up in the village pub. Well, there's a few pictures up in the village pub up in North Nottinghamshire in a place called Laxton. But there's one that dates back. that has got my great grandfather in it playing for Laxton Cricket Club. Um, there's a there's a picture up with my grandfather and his brother that uh, are playing for Laxton Cricket Club. And there's also a picture in there that's got my dad, my uncle Kevin, my uncle Mark, me, and my cousin Craig all playing for Laxton. Cricket oh, fantastic! Club. Yeah, I think cricket's in 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 the family. Um, my brother plays um, for uh, a cricket club called Milton Cricket Club, and that's the cricket club that I grew up at. He's captain of the first team there. Um, and my mum and dad go and watch every Saturday. Um, so, so, you know, the Saxelby family is a cricketing family. Um, and my great auntie, um, who was uh, mother to Kevin and Mark, still goes down to Milton Cricket Club to watch um, my brother Joe and my cousin Craig play on a Saturday afternoon, which I think is amazing. Do you miss it, not being able to join in with that? Um, I suppose I do from a from a from a sort of a, a sportsman's point of view. Any sportsman's mm. would, um, but as I said earlier, I sort of took that conscious decision to come out of the game. Where I live now, little village called Shire Newton. There's a couple of guys in the village that play for um, that play for Chepstone down and playing. Mm. Um, and can I go down? And, and, and you know what? I think when Oliver, my eldest. Um, if he wants to go and play cricket and join in at the juniors, then perhaps that will be the time that I reintroduce mm. myself back into the game. Um, perhaps as a coach and, you know, as my dad did when I was young, perhaps is playing on the field with me. Um, but, you know, I, 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 as I say, I think I, I made that decision mentally to come away from the game for a few years. And I think perhaps the right time for me to go back will be when hopefully my children want to mm. Uh, want to play I think you're right I, I always uh, I stopped playing um, a few years ago myself I mean, I'm crack I never played village cricket but yeah. you know my, when my el my eldest daughter loves the game um, and when she, if she ever decides that she actually wants to play then I think that'll be when I start going back and, and thinking about it and it will probably give me the drive for the game again if Ollie wants to sort of and, and Alice who's my daughter want to want to go and um want to go and play and I hope they do but um it certainly is not, nothing that I'm going to force upon them mm. you know if they want to play they'll play and I think that I think that's where we've got a duty as parents as you know if our children want to play it then they do and if they don't they don't I, I'm I'm just hoping that they've got some Saxelby blood in them and <laughs> that they fancy still carrying on the Saxelby tradition of playing cricket but <coughs> we will wait and see um what would you say, I mean, thinking back to your career on the field, what, what were your career highlights? Um, I, think, I think for me, you know, um, I wasn't in a, I, you know, was never fortunate to win uh, trophies. So I don't have the highlights of winning trophies um, to sort of um, 
sort of sort of talk about. But I think the the highlights for me are you know is was was playing against people that you know you know I'm in I'm in a I'm in a job today and they go do you bowl against him and I go yeah you know and, you know and, and and I think for me just being part of a team that that um that I've got great memories of being involved in you know uh, you know Gloucestershire we we had some fantastic uh characters that I that I played with you know I enjoyed every win I enjoyed every five for that I took I enjoyed uh the 150 that I scored as a number nine batsman um you know, and I enjoyed. I suppose that I suppose the main highlights for me was the way that it took me around the world. You know, I played in New Zealand for 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 six months. I played in Australia for three months. I went to South Africa. Um, you know, I was on England development camps, mm. um, and I look back on that with fond memories. Um, but as I say, I don't have those trophy wins to say that was definitely uh, a highlight for me. I just think the game itself and the people that I met and the, the way it allowed me to travel the world was a highlight in itself. And you talk about those memories. Do you um, have sort of cricket memorabilia in the house or is it sort of tucked away in the loft or is it out on display? Or so I, I do have a little bit, actually. Um, I've got couple of trophies from bowler of like Gloucestershire bowler mm-hmm. of the years um, that sit on um, a dresser downstairs and I've got the balls that I took five for and tempers with um, and they still sit out and in fact the funny thing is about that is it was only two days ago that I pitched that I picked one up and mirrored bowling in front <laughs> of the mirror just to see if I could still get my arm over um, so, so, so yeah, I do have it out, and it is uh, sort of just just there to remind me of perhaps a, a previous life. Um, I've still got all my kit, which sits in a summer house back in on the farm mm-hmm. that, my brother, that my brother tends to nick. A um, <laughs> couple of decent bats in there, and this, that, and the other. Um, and perhaps you know, I've always said I'll keep it just in case. I have to admit, I um, I have one of your match worn shirts. Um, yeah. <laughs> but for <coughs> my wife really likes cricket as well and for some reason and I still to this day and neither of us know why you came you became a bit of a cool figure in our household right. so if ever, if ever Gloucestershire on the TV we would always look out for how you'd done and we'd always check and see how you'd done and so then on our whichever wedding anniversary it is is Cotton um, she managed to find one of your match worn, match worn yeah, shorts yeah. on eBay and so that was my Cotton Sort what of, was it? A couple of quids. Couple of I, quids <laughs> I don't. She'd never tell me, but um, yeah. So I have a <laughs> and a, a Saxelby twenty-one shirt in in my collection as a as sort of one of the the Lloyd family court um, court things, which is it's it's a bit like you know it's it's so it's quite surreal sort of talking to you today, the, a court hero in our household. Um, you wore you wore twenty one on your back. Did that have any this sort of squad numbers? Is another one of my sort of cricketing. I don't know why sort of weird interest. Did, was twenty one any significance to you, or was it just the number you were given? Or it was the number I was given. Um, so it's not, it never had any significance to me. Um, but now now it was a number that I wore. Whenever a number 21 craps up, I always sort of look at it and go, oh, that was my number. Mm. Um, 
so so no it is it, it it wasn't of significance but i would say it definitely is of significance now given that that was the number that i wore whilst i was in um in professional sport and um, and um yeah it's a number that i look at now and think well that was what i was when i played and i, I sort of whenever i see anyone with number 21 on the back i go well that was my number do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so no significance, but of significance to me um, post cricket, definitely. Ah, that's I, I really like that. Um, if you could give a piece of advice to a young player starting out now, Ian, what what would you say to them? I think I th- I think that the challenge for youngsters now is being overcoached. Mm. Because everyone wants to create this model cricketer, and I think the world wants this model cricketer. And I don't know if that's moved on a little bit with T20 and stuff over the, next, over the last three or four years since I left the game. But certainly when I was in it, and you know, you'd look at academy players that had a real talent, and over time they perhaps were. I had a feeling that they were being overcoached and they'd lost their natural talent mm-hmm. for the sport. So I would, I would just, I would be advising youngsters to sort of, you know, practice what they do believe in. You know, they will be on an academy, they'll be playing the game, they'll be on an academy, they'll be playing in a second team, they'll be playing first class cricket, whatever, for a reason. Um, because of the way that they shape up, the way that they deliver cricket ball, the way that they catch, the way that they feel. So whilst having an open ears for refining that talent, um, I, I would say just be very careful in the way that um, uh, that coaching can influence natural ability. And um, you know, if you've got natural ability, make sure that the areas that are being coached are enhancing that natural ability, rather than trying to change what you fundamentally do. And you you seem very happy and very comfortable in your your sort of retirement post cricket. What what would you say was the key to to a happy post cricket retirement. So I think. Look, I think you could almost look at the way that I left the sport is 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 fortunate. I don't know if that is the right word to use, but I was young. Um, I was in a very fortunate position that, whether you could call it fortunate or not, I left the game through injury. Mm. Okay, and with that, you know, the support from the PCA meant that I had. And some insurance money that was able to allow me to find my feet again, and uh, and with that, um, you know, it allowed me to rebuild me back to a position where I could live um, with stability, and also, along with my wife, support um, a family, and you know. As I said, the Saxelby family has always been about family. We've always lived on the farm and had a number of cousins there at any one time that were, um, you know, made up that family. And, and, and I think I got myself in a, in a, in a position that was, that was, that was post-cricket that I was, you know, I had stability. You know, it's allowed me to cre- you know, create a new career for myself. It's allowed me with my wife to sort of um, sort of build a very happy family which I'm um, you know proud and, and feel very lucky to have and you know I think 
one thing that I've always done is not regretted anything that I did when I played cricket. And I think I left that cricketing, tried to leave that sort of cricketing life behind with no regrets. Um, and, and, you know, and, and, and move forward from there. And, and from there, I'm in a, in, in a relatively positive position. Um, and I say, I feel fortunate to be in that position. You, you'd mentioned the insurance payout you got. Well, that was, I read at the time, that was a, a record for a player to receive at the end of their career. Is that, those insurance policies, are they commonplace within the game or are they quite unique? No, they, they, they were, they would, that was provided by the Professional Cricketers Association, part of the membership and package and the um, pension package that we subscribed to at the time. So, you know, that they, those, those were, you know, if any player decides that they want to opt out away from them, I would say, please reconsider it because they were very important pieces of protection that I had that allowed me to find my stability again post-cricketing. And, and finally, and what, what's the future for you career-wise now? Is it more of the same um, promotions? Yeah, I think it is. You know, I said I've been at this company five years now. I don't see myself changing from that. I've got a, got a good job, a job that I'm sort of proud to work in and, you know, a good team of people around me and, and a really, you know, a really good company to work for. Um, promotions would be fantastic, you know, but as I said, I don't really see things changing. Um, my career now is, as anyone that works as insurance will tell you, you probably fall into insurance and you could sort of say that that's what I did. But, um, you know, it's it's now a, uh, an industry that um, uh, prov- provides for me very well and supports me and uh, along with my wife, my family, um, and it allows us to live a, a, live a comfortable life, you know, supporting a couple of kids and a dog and, and whatever else. So, um, yeah, I, I don't see things changing. I just see more of the same, in all honesty. Whenever a player's career is cut short by injury, it's always sad, and especially when it's one of such promise and, and one who gave so much to the club that he played for. It's clear that Ian still loves the game, even though he's moved away from it, and no surprise to me that he's been such a success in everything he's done since doing that. Talking to him was great, and his status in my household of cult icon has certainly not diminished. If anything, it's been enhanced. As always, I'd love to hear from you. Please tweet me at Lloydzilla, send me feedback, give me ideas of players you'd love me to have on, and questions you'd like to ask. Next time on the Bachelor Pavilion podcast, we speak to a real character of the game, on and off the field. He represented Warwickshire and Leicestershire, and now represents the BBC and Sky in their excellent coverage of both the county and international game. Plus, he even branched out into hosting the NFL coverage for the BBC too for a while. So join me next time as we welcome the wonderful Charles Dagnall back to the pavilion. That's all from me until then, so take care of yourself and others. See you next time. Bye bye for now. <laughs>